Chapter 6 First thing the next morning, we rented a car and picked up some coffee and pastries, which we ate along the way. Kalia had insisted on driving. These aren't as good as my sister's, I said, the buttery flakes of a cinnamon roll raining onto my lap. I know. You've been to her bakery. Yes. She's very talented. We drove south on Highway 101, then turned east. The road followed the Van Dusen River, winding through damp and shadowy redwood groves. The river was already swelling from the early winter rains, shrinking the gravel bars. The sky was overcast and there was a light mist, enough to keep the windshield wipers on, but not enough to keep them from squeaking. What kind of nut builds a miniature golf course in the middle of nowhere? I said, watching the trees flicker by. We're about to find out. I don't understand how he was allowed to do it. I'm pretty sure that's protected federal land. The cackle species have ways of getting what they want. So what are his special powers? Glymphids. They're famous for their zombie slaves. Excuse me? They put their cackle in things like paint and mud, then when they put that on people or animals, they can somehow control them remotely. They can also take other people's cackle and do voodoo-type stuff with it. They're known for building things to aid their magic. That's probably what the golf course is about. Kalia glanced over at me and chuckled. Having second thoughts? I'm having so many thoughts so many. In general, lymphids don't like mobiacs. There's some bad history there. Honestly, this is probably a huge waste of time. This guy won't just offer us the information we want. Wow, that's negative. Haven't you heard of the power of positive thinking? No. Is that a Mormon thing? Are you a Mormon? No, it's a human thing. If you think positively, then positive things will happen to you. Kalia rolled her eyes. That's horseshit. Tell Oprah that. She's only the richest woman in the world, and it works for her. You should be visualizing this man telling us everything we need to know. Visualize him telling us who killed Diane, where this otolith medicine is. I've been doing it this whole car ride. I'm visualizing the stereo being turned on and less talking happening. The coffee had boosted my mood and made me a little chatty, so I sympathized with her, but she didn't have to be rude. As I tried to formulate a diplomatic response, my phone rang, Naomi. Hey babe, I answered. My little blue cheese, she said. My damp dark cave, I said under my breath, getting hot with embarrassment thinking of Kalia overhearing our strange pet names for each other. I thought our pet names were weird, but not much weirder than the ones other couples used. I know now that was far from the truth. My Kazu Martsu. My maggot larva. My cream. My curds and whey. The words echoed in my mind, along with images from the cheesemaking documentaries Naomi loved so much. The images reinforced my love for her. Has anyone been hanging around the apartment? I said. Following you? No, Charlie. You know whatever trouble you're in, you can tell me, right? Of course. Two more days and everything will be fixed and back to normal. 
I promise. I tried to pick up your bus but it was gone. The police said the bank repossessed it. I'm so sorry. I slammed my palm into my head once, twice, three times. Stupid, stupid, stupid. How could I have been such an idiot to let this happen? Naomi was saying something, but her voice kept cutting out. Then the call dropped, no more cell signal. What happened? Kalia said. The bank took my bus. I hit myself again. I never would have missed a payment if it wasn't for Brad. When you guys were together, did he ever talk about a tour guide he was sabotaging? No. He's ruining my life. Welcome to the club. How does someone even become like that? She turned on the radio, a pop station. I don't want to talk about him. I'll get my bus back. You'll see. Who are you talking to? You. What do you mean, you'll see? Like I'm against you or something. I hope you do get your bus back. Thank you. She turned up the music. You're welcome. At a town called Bridgeville, we turned south, cutting through ranch land and grass-covered hills, occasionally driving over cattle grates that clanged with violent rhythm and volume. The hills were empty except for the intermittent oak tree, their branches as gnarled as the barbed wire following the road. The redwood tree didn't congregate this far inland. Knowing we'd have no cell service out here, I'd printed out a map in the morning. Even with it, we missed the next road, which wasn't clearly marked, and we got lost for 20 minutes before figuring it out and doubling back. The new road was narrow and cut into a rocky bluff a couple hundred feet above a high and swift tributary. We came across only one car out there going the other way, and the driver slowed down to study us with squinting eyes, no return smile, no return wave. After 40 minutes of switchbacks, we turned onto an old one-lane dirt logging road riddled with potholes and banked by second-growth pines. Kalia drove faster than I would have. I braced myself against the door and seat, my head rocking with the suspension at every jarring bump. At half-past noon, over two hours since we'd set out, the road crested, and large cartoonish sculptures painted in primary colors sitting on ponds of lime-green astroturf arose from a clearing in the woods, a plane, a man in an easy chair, a bride and groom at an altar, a toilet and vanity, a wisteria climbing an arbor. All except the plane were at quadruple scale or larger. To the right of the course stood a small cabin with smoke rising out of the chimney, and an old Ford pickup parked out front. A man sat on the porch, nibbling on a spent chicken bone like he and it were the only two things in the world. Not until after we got out of the car did he look up from his undertaking and acknowledge our presence. Ho oh, there. He was bald on top with short red hair around the ears. There were bags under his eyes. He wore an untucked collared shirt and a sloppily tied tie. He looked like a drug addict dad at a custody hearing. He set the chicken bone down on the arm of his chair next to a bulky satellite phone and walked out to meet us. Almost didn't recognize you, Charlie. You're all grown up. I studied his face, searched my memory, nothing. Do I know you? Your mom's been hiding out here off and on for the last few years. Talks a lot about you. Showed me pictures. Maybe she mentioned me. I'm Perry. I tilted my head. 
Hiding out? You don't seem surprised to see us, Kalia interjected. Perry shrugged. The memorist told me you'd be coming. He pointed over my shoulder. Then Lala alerted me when you came down the road. The underbrush along the tree line crackled as a huge black bear lumbered into the open a few yards away. Tribal symbols had been drawn all over her body with red paint that had dried and caked in her fur. She chuffed. I stepped back. Whoa. Don't worry. Perry smiled. She only bites if I tell her to. That's comforting, Kalia said. Who's the memorist? That's Nanette's bond. Who's Nanette? My mom, I said. Is that who she was hiding from up here? Most definitely, Perry said. The memorist is not a kind woman, very powerful, very big deal apparently. Hell, she came up here with Zadatorians. Can you believe it? I just threw my hands up, had to apologize to your mom. Not even I could help her against those odds. Did they take your cackle? Kalia asked Perry. Shames me to admit, but most definitely. For millennia, your people hunted mine just so you could murder each other. I vowed never to let any Mobiac take my cackle, but when a lady shows up with Zadatorians. What's the memorist's name? Couldn't tell you. Nanette never could bring herself to even utter it. How did the memorist know we'd be coming? You'd have to ask her. You know where I could find her? Perry stuck out his lower lip and slowly nodded. Sure. She and her people took over a small town just east of here called Arampam. They set up a prison camp there for mummers and sick mobiacs. Doesn't sound very pleasant. He looked at me. I bet your mom's there too. How many people does she have? Kalia said. Well, there were two Zadatorians that came up here and two Mobiacs, but I heard there are a dozen more in the town. They keep talking about a flood coming. I guess they mean war, maybe with the Zadatorians again. Thanks for your time. Kalia turned and stepped toward the car. Let's go. But I wasn't ready to leave. I had more questions for this strange man my mom had been shacking up with, or at least, I thought I did. I ended up just standing there awkwardly. What could he tell me, really? Was she using still? Was she unhappy? In pain? I didn't want to talk about any of those things with this guy. They were too personal. He was probably just another asshole boyfriend of hers. Thanks, was all I said, and I went to follow Kalia. But she hadn't moved. She glared at the tree line. Three more bears had emerged, along with two mountain lions and five deer, all covered in the same painted symbols as Lala. Perry walked around and stood beside us. Don't let the deer fool you. They're not exactly Bambis. They'll kick the shit out of you if I want them to. So don't try to take any of that bloom shit. I know your Mobiac tricks. Just put your hands up and stay still. I'm going to search you. Nothing weird. While he patted us down, taking little bottles from Kalia's pockets, the wild animals spread out, surrounding us. A pungent cocktail of scat, urine and musk hung in the air. 
the large predators moved with a terrible grace that was beautiful and frightening. What do you want? I said. Perry shoved the handful of bottles he'd collected into his pockets and stepped back. I made a deal with the memorist. Nothing personal. Whatever she's giving you, I'll beat it, Kalia said. Can you give my ex-wife whalers? Are you serious? Even if I could, I wouldn't. I didn't think so. It's a rare talent. What is whalers? I said. Wrinkles of disgust deepened on the bridge of Kalia's nose. It's a cackle disease that causes object impermanence. Her gaze was fixed on Perry, like a judge listing off the crimes of a defendant before sentencing. They call it whalers because the people who get it cry a lot. The suicide rates are insane. The sick have to install glass doors throughout their house, even on their refrigerator and cabinets. They can't drive. They have to keep pictures of everyone they know on them, at all times. Even then, they'll think people are dead when they've just gone to work. It's a cruel, cruel disease that only a monster would wish on anyone. Hey now, Perry said. Cool it on the judgment. You haven't met my ex-wife. Speaking of, we got a long wait ahead of us before the memorist arrives. We might as well have some fun. He pointed to the giant arbor where there was a sign that read, Hole One. Next to that was a rack of putters and a bucket of golf balls. Play the course. I worked really hard on it. It's a unique experience. No thanks. One of the mountain lions let out a piercing growl. But you have to, Perry added. Sorry. He held out his arm like a maitre d'. As we trudged to the first hole, the beasts kept pace. Questions flopped around in my mind like a net full of fish dumped on a wet deck. What would the memorist do with us when she arrived? Was my mom with her? Was she okay? What was a Zadatorian? One thing I did know, the chances of this being a normal game of miniature golf were zero. Think positively, Kalia whispered. I involuntarily stuttered a moment before I could respond, angry and shocked she'd thought attacking me was appropriate at this time. Sarcasm is the canary in the coal mine of a negative life. Did Oprah tell you that? As soon as I stepped onto the green of the first hole, my mind was inundated with foreign thoughts and feelings that were foaming with bitterness and vitriol. My whole body tensed with the psychic assault. Proceed. Perry shouted. We chose our putters. I hit first, knocking the ball up a ramp hollowed into the base of the wisteria, through a small opening in the arbor where it disappeared, only to reappear on the other end, rolling down a spiraling vine and stopping a few feet from the cup. Then it was Kalia's turn, and the words just poured out against my will. I asked you not to hire anyone to build this. I could have done it. No you couldn't have, Kalia hissed through her teeth. Why? Because my name isn't Chet, and I'm not a, I made air quotes. A landscape artist? Yes, that's exactly why. You make practical things, not works of art. But that's okay. That's just not who you are. The rage, the pure rage flooded in from where I couldn't tell. Don't tell me who I am. The argument only escalated from there, 
and it didn't end until after we'd both sank our putt and stepped off the green. As we walked to the next hole, I was out of breath and hot, but at least the nasty foreign thoughts were gone. Perry sat in a throne-like chair on an elevated platform overseeing the whole course. His eyes were closed, and he was making noises like he'd just eaten the best dessert of his life. I looked at Kalia. Her eyes were wide, and her breathing was heavy as well. I felt awful for what I'd said to her, but worse for how I'd felt saying it. I could tell she felt the same way by her sympathetically positioned eyebrows. This was torture for both of us. But not for Perry. He appeared to be reliving the worst moments of his failed marriage as we progressed through the course, and he was reveling in it. The second hole was the giant bathroom, and it was so much worse than the one before. The argument was about a remodel, and there was talk of emasculation. As we walked to the third hole with our guard of wild animals following, I counted the holes that were left. Seven. Seven more gut-twisting spats. I wasn't sure if I could take it. As if she knew what I was thinking, Kalia grabbed my hand and squeezed. I squeezed back. No touching. Perry screamed, his face hideous with rage. The deer tensed, as if ready to bolt. But when I let go of Kalia's hand, the deer relaxed again, and the fear in their eyes glazed over. After the airplane hole and a brutal back and forth about slutty clothes, I reached out and grabbed Kalia's hand. I couldn't help it. I needed some respite, some human kindness between these ordeals, these floods of bile into my psyche. I said no touching. Do you want to know what a deer kick feels like? The deer ran away a few strides this time, and one of the bears stood on its hind legs. I let go of Kalia's hand, and the deer trotted back, and the bear got down on all fours. Something about Kalia and me holding hands was disrupting Perry's connection to the animals. Was it the act itself, or his reaction to it? The next hole was the giant man in the easy chair, and the nastiness was all surrounding in-laws. When I stepped off the green and regained sovereignty of thought and remembered what had transpired during the walks between previous holes, I hoped that Naomi would forgive me for what I did next. I stepped in front of Kalia, cupped her face in my hands, and kissed her on the lips. Perry screamed, but I didn't back off. Kalia must have realized what I was doing because she wrapped her arms around my waist, pulled my body tight against hers, and kissed me back. Perry cursed and cursed, but we didn't stop. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw the deer bound off and the bears and mountain lions sprint in Perry's direction. Soon after, an almost inhuman scream escaped from the man, high-pitched and piercing. It froze me for a second. Then Kalia and I broke apart. The large predators swiped and bit at Perry. Blood stained his torn clothes. One of the bears dragged him off the platform by his foot. He scraped at the ground trying to crawl away, then a mountain lion clamped its jaws down on the back of his neck, and his screams ended. Walk to the car, Kalia said. Don't run. I grabbed my putter, as if it would help, and stepped gingerly, careful not to make too much noise. A few yards from the car, the two mountain lions trotted out from behind the platform, their eyes fixed on us. I don't know who made the first move, but we both ran the remaining distance, jumped into the car, and slammed the doors shut. As we drove away, one of the bears dragged Perry's body into the woods, his limp head bouncing against the ground.